I think about it like the way that I work in any job that I have, I would rather be going all day long. So if it was a good environment and I would love to have that job because your day would go by so fast Mm -hmm. and you, and you wouldn't even really have time to think about like time or anything like that. You'd just be going, going, going all day long. So it would actually, I would actually kind of like that kind of job probably, but I don't need to be peeing in a bottle on a corner and I don't need people yelling at me and stuff like that for me doing my job either. Yeah. That's, that's a dignity issue on top of other things, you know, just the fact that we live in today's day and age and you have to pee in a bottle because I mean, unfortunately in other countries, you know, developing countries where we get a lot of our goods and services produced, that's, that sounds like something they would have to do, you know, and that's something we rail against for, you know, in the, in the quote unquote sweatshop type of environment. Mm-hmm. This is Amazon, the, the richest company in the world, maybe I think something. Probably. Uh, yeah, I would imagine, but it's up there if not, but it is like their workers are having to do that. Like that's the best thing you can figure out. The Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Colt. Yes, sir. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Or three, at least three minutes. It, it's been, yeah, several minutes, but, yes, we're, but we're back. We are back, sort of. Yeah, we're getting there. We're uh-huh. getting back. We're sporadically back, but we're... Sporadically back. I like that term. One day, one day we're going to be back, back. <laughs> hey, I wonder if anybody's... Uh, I don't know. I wonder if they've been wondering about us. Where are those guys? I hope with so. Their, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, those guys that say they talk about smart stuff, but they just talk bullshit all the time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Where did those, those guys go? Right. <laughs> Enjoy listening to those quacks. Yeah, but anyway, you know, I think that once we do make it back, we will once again make waves in the podcast um, Cosmos, I think. It's I great. like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, We'll be recognized once again, but in the meantime, it's been it's been a hiatus, been needed life, a lot of things. So, and on top of you know other things, I would like to congratulate you on the new basketball court. Oh, thank you, dude. Thank you. It's amazing. That that was like my dream coming up as a kid to have a court like that. Yeah. And you've got one. I, uh, you and our good buddy Bryant mm-hmm. have been more excited about this than I have. Dude, I think. Totally. Yeah. Every time I, every time I talk to you guys, what, what's the progress on that basketball goal? Yeah. You know, how, how you got that thing up yet? And then like, I even got the court port and then Brian's texting me, Hey, uh, is that goal up yet? Right. Um, no. <laughs> Weird thing is you have to wait for concrete to dry. That's kind of odd. Yeah. Never knew that was a thing. I mean, we can send men to the moon, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, can't give me instant concrete. <laughs> right. <laughs> Should have been done minutes ago. Right, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, give us the deets on that. What's what's the uh give me the specifics on the on the court. Like dimensions? Yeah. Everything, yeah. How big is it? Thirty by thirty. Thirty by thirty. And yeah. what what kind of uh goal did you get? That's a nice goal, man. Gorilla is the brand. Or well, Gorilla. Yeah. And then Goliath is a brand out of Gorilla. Okay. Uh it's a higher end basketball goal which i wasn't just gonna buy a hundred dollar goal from walmart a spalding goal from walmart that had a plastic backboard mm-hmm. if i was gonna go all in if i was gonna like pour concrete and have a legit court i'm gonna yeah. go all in with the goal too which i'm glad i did however i did find something that sucks today because so um you have a court and 
you have all this work that goes into making a court, which means that you have skid steers and you have other things running around, which makes dirt and all this other stuff. And then it rains and then there's mud. So then you go out and you play basketball and the ball hits the mud. Mm. So that's an issue, right? That's just an issue in its own because then you have to either wipe the ball off or you just kind of bounce it around for a while to like get the mud and dirt off of it. But then the big part comes when you have a clear glass backboard and your ball hits the backboard. Yeah. So now I realize that if there's any mud outside or a lot of dirt, I'm going to have to wipe down my basketball goal a lot. I never thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, I paid enough money for the goal that I'm like not against cleaning it and making sure that it looks good, but still it's just an extra thing that I didn't think about. I mean, it's definitely a first world problem. And I, think, I think you're going to get through it, you but, sure? but you would have never really anticipated that. Yeah. Are you going to plant seed, I guess, grass out there? Around? Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. So it's an issue though, because like that one part, so I put the court on a hill the only place I had to go with it, but to put it on a hill. Yeah. So meaning that you basically have to build up the low side. I mean, it's, it's pretty high. You've been out there. It's pretty, it's built up pretty high. It is. And you know, we took dirt and put it all the way around the court to match up against the side of the concrete and everything. But I mean, it's still a good little hill that you got to climb up. So I don't know what we're going to do there yet. Um, the guy that did my concrete wanted to go ahead and bring more dirt out and try to level it out more to where I can actually mow on it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think, I don't think it's worth it because for what it's going to cost to bring loads of dirt out here, yeah, mess up the yard more than it already is and all that kind of stuff. I think I just want to grab, just till and grass seed everything that I can now and just roll with it. I would, I th- it may be a push mowing situation on that particular part of mm-hmm. your yard, but it's not, yeah. th- it's not that much, yeah. you know, it's it wouldn't gonna... be that bad to weed either. It's just around True. the court. So True. yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, I did. I did actually take a basketball up there and shoot around today, though. So that felt pretty good. Good. And then I realized my my cardio needs some work. Yeah. Just me shooting around, and then of course, every time you shoot, the ball wants to go the direction of the hill. It never wants to go like where it just comes back to you. Yeah. I guess I could make more. That might help a little bit, but <laughs> well, you know. if you would just put it in the the hoop, uh-huh. that's where it's supposed to uh-huh. go. So, but you know whose fault it is that it's not going in? It's you and Brian's because you didn't make it level. We did make it level though, dude. After <laughs> we did. got done, that thing was yeah. like the bubble was right in the middle uh-huh. of the tube. There was yeah. no doubt about it. That thing was as level as anything could be. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little worried yesterday because you and Brian and my dad came over or came up and helped me put the backboard on. It's such a weird thing. I'd never put a back a basketball goal together before, so I had to put everything together first. That's been sitting in my garage for like week and a half to two weeks maybe longer mm. which has not made my wife happy because she hasn't been able to put her car in the garage yeah um so that's been sitting there but you don't actually put the backboard on until you actually have the back the whole goal up right and it makes sense because it'd be a heavy mofo to try to get up in the air if you had the backboard on it but it would have been so much easier to put the backboard on on the ground than up in the air so it was four of us and I, I was I was a little nervous trying to put the, trying to connect the backboard to the the post because we didn't really have anybody high enough to like hold the top of the backboard so it was kind of swaying a little bit while I'm trying to stick a bolt through the back of it uh-huh. it was it was a little 
a little nerve wracking. I thought I could sense some nervousness yeah. on you when we were doing it. Cause I, I think all of us were a little bit nervous. Uh-huh. You know, we were all making sure that this big piece of glass did not slip out of our hands. I could, I, could, I was picturing what would happen if it did. If like it all just fell backwards, I could picture all three of you looking down at it, looking up at me and then just leaving. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't have said a word. I would have just walked away. You'd have been in your car before the before the backboard hit the ground. <laughs> Definitely before the glass scattered about, uh-huh. I would have been in there. But yeah, we did good though, and I did end up getting up a little higher to to stabilize the top because when it was swaying like that at mm-hmm. first, I was not comfortable at all. It's like this isn't going to work. Yeah, because I wanted to be down at the bottom to kind of support a lot of the weight. But your dad was there, so he was down there. So I I figured it would be more useful for me to get up there, and mm-hmm. and we did good though. At, yeah. at the end of the day, we got it done, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's the first time I've ever put a. a one that nice together. Like any of the backboards I've ever had was just the plastic, you know, yeah. you, you, you dig a post hole digger and you, you dig a hole and you concrete it, put the pole in there. Yeah. The old, the old school, like cheap versions is all I ever had as a kid. I did several of those. Yeah. But this one, man, this, this was a, a new thing for me. It's such a nice court, man. It's such a nice goal. That's I'm excited. It's, 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 it's like I said, it's my dream as a kid to have a goal, a court like that. I like the idea of it too, is because like it's an anchoring system. So you actually dig, a hole beside the court. Mm-hmm. It called it called for three a three foot hole in the ground, um, and seven bags of co- concrete that goes in it. We did a foot and a half and like three bags of concrete because we're digging a hole into rock. Mm. Like we're not like soft dirt out here. This is there's like clay and rock and everything else. Yeah. So you're basically digging a hole into the ground into rock. So it's surrounded by rock. So that's one good thing. Then you're putting concrete down in there. Then you're putting rebar down in there. And then uh, you actually put this anchoring system down in there with four um, long bolts that act as rebar also that stick out the top. Mm. And then you actually, once that's cured into the ground, into that concrete, then you actually put the goal on top of it and just screw it down. That's a great idea. Yeah, why, why they never came up with that before, I don't know. Because it's a, it, your goal is going into the ground, but this makes it to where... It's stable and it's concreted into the ground, but you can take the goal with you if you move. Yeah. You know, and especially for when you pay for a high, you know, a high end goal, you don't want to get stuck leaving it there. That's not going to up the value of your house when you go to sell your house, you know, so. Yeah, it it may for me. You think? If I saw a house I liked, but they had a court like yours, (laughs) like. You'd pay the extra? I probably would. It's It's like having a pool. Yeah. But. No, I don't know how new that, that technology is with the the anchoring system on the goal. You know, I don't know how long that's been around. I never, I never seen one before. Yeah, so. but yeah, it's a great idea because before we would just have to take like because it was only the bottom part of the pole. The pole would come in two or three pieces, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. that that I would use, and just the bottom part would go down into the ground, and you have about you know a foot and a half, two feet left up, and then the the next pole goes over the top of that, right? Fasten it together, and you and you have your basketball pole for the goal, right? Um. So yeah, I, I guess you would have to leave that there though. Otherwise, you'd just have most of your pole, and you'd have to leave the bottom of it because it's stuck to the ground. Well, I don't know how that works either because the like, how do you know how far? I mean, is there just a standard on how far the pole needs to go into the ground? To, because you still have to have it at ten foot mm-hmm. above the ground. True. So, but then how do you hold it? Like, how does the concrete hold it at that that height? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you're pouring the concrete and you're putting the pole in the ground at the same time. So unless there's something in the ground that's holding that pole there and stable until the concrete cures, mm-hmm. and also it has to be in the ground at a certain spot to make the hole 
goal, the height that it needs to be in the right. air. Yeah. So I don't, I, don't they, know. I just remember having directions. They give me the directions. I followed them. Gotcha. For once in my life, because I wanted it, you know, to be right mm-hmm. and to be high enough and, and level. Gotcha. You know, once your pole bending forward, uh, but I don't remember. It's been years. Yeah. Years and years ago. But you know, you mentioned something earlier that caught my attention, though. Your cardio. You know, it needing work. It, it's from what I hear, from what I read. Cardio is cardio. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's not. And here's my point. Now, I have no scientific basis for this, as usual. But my point is that, okay, so I, I do the elliptical for my cardio generally in the gym. Okay, It's just my favorite form of cardio for a lot of different reasons I've, I've mentioned before. But then I also like to play disc golf. Okay, So I get out there and play disc golf. It seems like I get a different type of overall feeling. Of, of my cardio experience. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does in my head, but you know, my fatigue, I, I fatigue differently. I, you know, of course there's the rate at which I'm going on the elliptical is different than, than playing disc golf as, as you know, where you're walking more, more distance and you have more terrain to work with things like that. More of your natural, uh, the, uh, uh, I don't know the, the things you have to deal with struggles, whatever, mm-hmm. more than just the natural terrain that you have to deal with. Um, so there's differences there, but the overall feeling is different to me and playing basketball. It's been a while since I've really engaged in some pretty heavy basketball games, Mm -hmm. like some, uh, competition type where I I can't help, but just go all in, Mm -hmm. you know? And even if it's going to kill me, if my heart starts pounding really hard and been going for a long time, when I played in school, I was always, almost always in the game. Like I was the guy who was constantly running up and down the court. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that my cardio was just so great. My brain just won't let me not do that mm-hmm. until I collapse and die. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just wonder if you experienced different kinds of effects from different styles of cardio or is it just me? I think everything you just said is right. Um, disc golf, basketball. I mean, you're using different muscles in different parts of your body for the cardio. Also, I think that has to do um, with a lot of like the oxygen that you're using in different muscles. Um, you know, disc golf, when you're walking to get, pick up the disc that you already threw, that's a, I think that's a different thing than actually throwing the discs, um, using different muscle groups to throw the discs than walking. Um, I think heat has a lot to do with it mm. too, you know, yeah. cause you are out in the sun most of the time, uh, versus being in the gym. So it's, it can be warmer outside most of the time than in the gym. Mm-hmm. Plus terrain, like you said, terrain's a big deal. Um, basketball, as far as that goes, dribbling, you know, takes different muscle groups. Um, running after a basketball takes, you know, different muscle groups and shooting and all that kind of stuff. I, I just think it, I think, yeah, it, I mean, it's the same thing as far as like kind of cardio is cardio, but not really. <laughs> I don't think I'm answering your question. Any. I think I'm just telling you that what you said was right. <laughs> but you're not making things worse. That's yeah, what's important. Right. Because I, 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 everything but, you said makes a lot of sense too, though. But, what, really I would, but I would, what I would say is that, um, what's the word? It's not just physical cardio. It's, um, I can't think of what the word is. Basically, doing something that you have that you enjoy doing and have fun doing is definitely always one hundred percent better cardio. Um, you, unless you're tracking it while you're doing it, you're probably you know because if you're on an elliptical or you're on a stair stepper or something like that, it's going to tell you you burned this many calories, you've you know walked this many floors, you've went this many miles, you've done all these things. Mm-hmm. 
unless you're tracking it, you're not going to see that when you're playing disc golf or when you're playing basketball and stuff like that. But what I can tell you is that if you're doing something that you're having fun doing, you're going to probably burn more than what you would on that elliptical because you're probably going to get off the elliptical a lot longer, way before you would stop playing disc golf. So in my, my theory is, yeah, do always doing something fun and something you love doing is always better cardio than getting on an elliptical or a stair stepper or something like that. Yeah. Well, I will have to make one minor adjustment there is I actually enjoy the elliptical. I actually enjoy it. When I get on there, I usually only do, I don't give myself the rest period that, that it gives you, but I usually go a hard 35 minutes, at mm-hmm. least a hard 30, 33 to 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. Go hard. And sometimes I feel like I, you know, I'm going to have a heat stroke, that, mm-hmm. that kind of hard, but it feels so good. You know, I, I definitely get that endorphin rush from, you know, and I try to time it. I try to, I think we've talked about that before too, but I try to work with a little bit of my body chemistry to time the endorphin and to, and to make it to kind of stretch it out because I can, I can get a dump all right. It seems like right in the middle of the workout, mm-hmm. I can get an endorphin dump and just get high. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. It's just, it's such a rush, but I try to, to, to pace myself in a way because I, I can, I know my body well enough now to be able to do this to where I can stretch it out from about half to, to three fourths of the way and try to make it go as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And so that's just it, it's some of that self awareness that I've come to know through elliptical work, which I actually like. But my point was, if I were on like a treadmill or just running outside, which I hate, I don't know why I hate running. <laughs> I don't mind running if I'm in sport. You know, if I'm yeah. if I'm playing basketball, like I said, I'd run up and down the court forever until I pass out. But just running for the sake of running, that would be a great example as to what you're saying. I'm not going to burn nearly as many calories because I can't wait to get done. Right. You know, I just, it's, I don't know why. It's just like torture for me. Yeah. I mean, you know, I went out and played at a local course uh, a little while back and it was 102 degrees outside, I think. And I almost talked myself out of playing, which is normally if I have the time to play, I'm going to go play. Yeah. And I almost talked myself out of it because I got out of my truck and I was like, oh my God, it is hot out here. I was like, I, I can, I can do it, you know? And then, but it was so much easier for me to talk myself into actually playing. It was so much easier, even though I knew I was walking farther away from my truck and the farther I get away, the far, farther I have to walk back. It was just so much easier than if I were to just be walking out there just to walk. That's not happening. Yeah. I would have barely got out of my truck. Right. I would have rolled down the window and be like, nope, <laughs> I rolled it back up. Very good point. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just I just think you're you're more likely to get more done if it's in a fun way or doing something you enjoy. I, I think that is what you just said there is a, a large, it, it's a very significant key to life in general, whether it's exercise, which is what we're talking about, you know, finding something you like to do that is, that has cardiovascular benefits that has, you know, benefits for your muscles and and your joints and all that good stuff, stuff to keep you moving, Mm -hmm. um, work, you know, if you can find something that, especially at least that you don't hate yeah, because a work-life balance includes not just the work, but it's also the life balance. So if you've got a job that's like, as long as you don't hate it, and it's and you get some kind of satisfaction out of it, but it balances well with the rest of your life. That's key, right? Something so, you something you can at least stay productive and take pride in the production that you're doing. Absolutely. You know, if if you're in a job, you know, we both seen it. We both see people who do jobs. They absolutely hate those jobs, so they don't take pride in it. They just go in. They get their paycheck. If they go in, half the time they probably don't go in because they hate the job. Right. You know that that's not a fulfilling life. And I understand the whole. 
well, you know, uh, I'm taking advantage of what I have at home. That's where, that's my go-to home is where, you know, home's where I'm happy. I just go to work to get the paycheck to make my home life what I want it to be, but it could be so much better. Yeah. And I understand sometimes you have to start, you know, you can go from a job that you've been at for 15 years that you absolutely hate to a brand new job, making a little less money. But if you can stand the job and you can stand the people around, around you, the happiness is a lot more, you know, it's a lot better than the, the, you know, a couple extra dollars an hour that you're going to make. Absolutely. I understand people can't do that all the time. Mm -hmm. I understand. But I also feel like if you know you hate your job, spend the next year or two getting yourself in a financially stable situation. Do whatever you can to get yourself in a financially stable situation. Maybe you can take a dollar or two hour pay cut to go somewhere that you will be happier knowing that you could probably build, you know, you're taking pride in your job. Managers are going to see that. Bosses are going to see that. Now you might be able to build yourself back up to making more money where, you know, than where you were at before that you hated the job. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know it's it's a long game to play it sometimes. Is. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's worth it if you think about it. Well, I think having that foresight, though, I think people need to hear what you just said. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because when I was young, I, I needed to hear that. You know, I needed to hear, hey, dude, just take a chill. You know, it's not that I absolutely hated my job, but it was it wasn't going nowhere for me. Like I wasn't building a life. Mm-hmm. I was literally wasting a lot of time and a lot of money just, you know, playing around and doing whatever. But I could have I could have bought a house two times over with the money I made in my twenties. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't do anything good with it really. <laughs> I, I didn't. Pay, you know, I, I would I would go into debt. I'd pay off the debt, but then I'd go into debt again. It's just it was just a stupid cycle. I didn't have enough foresight to know what I was doing with what I had given to me. You know, mm-hmm. I was fortunate to have that job. But it was it was just a job for me. It wasn't like what I have now. I am one of the very fortunate ones to have a passion for what I do for mm-hmm. work. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I think that everybody, if you have any kind of any kind of whatsoever, like drive towards doing something like that. Like if, if there's something that you want to do and you feel like, man, I'd like to do that one day, taking exactly what you just said, kind of building up enough financial stability just to give yourself a little bit of leeway to do, to try that. At least go to a job that you don't hate, at least so that you can balance out that work-life schedule mm-hmm. and just enjoy your life. You don't right. necessarily have to enjoy your job. I, I think you should at least be able to find something, like you said, to just take some pride in it, to do good work. But man, I know good people that work in construction and they take pride in that it is their passion. Mm -hmm. You know, I know good people in sales, same thing. I mean, people gravitate toward different things and they kind of have a drive. They gravitate toward that because it gives them some kind of internal satisfaction, that benefit, that reward within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what it's all about to find, because we need everything done in society. You know, we got to have people to do all these different things. And so hopefully people are gravitating toward those things. And if, if they're not, Take some time and, and try to work your way into a better situation. Don't just toil in that and hate life because life's too short. Have you ever met somebody who was, I don't know if you call it lucky enough. I guess if they liked the job, it would be considered lucky enough. But have you ever met somebody who, as soon as they got out of high school, they went straight into a job and retired from that job? Yes. There's some people, are, well, I've never, I haven't actually met them, but I know that there's people at where I work now that have done that. Right out of high school, went straight into this job. They were there until they retired. Mm-hmm. I'm also talking about people who weren't, who never became managers, who never became supervisors or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, that would definitely not be my cup of tea. I, I don't think I could work somewhere and not try to build myself up in some way. Some people aren't that, that's not them though. Good point. Their life is like they, their happiness is going to work to a job they don't necessarily hate, getting that paycheck at the end of the week, 
going home, being with their family, taking that vacation once or twice a year that they want to do. And that's life. And they're happy with that. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's lucky. I guess it's gotta be lucky if you, if you can stand to stay in at one place for, I mean, you're talking what, 45, 50 years, probably most, most places. If you're going to work a full 35, 40, yeah. you know, well, I mean, if you, if you go out to eight, at 18 and you don't retire until you're 65, well, I, I know a lot of it. When you said that, my first thought was the car plants. I know people who graduated high school, and that's, of course, the car plants during that time. It, it's a weak industry now, mm-hmm. it, you know, especially in, in our area. We right. lost you know, two car plants. Right. And then all kinds of uh, parallel or, or um, you know, other businesses that support the car plants. Right. Like for me, for instance, when I was working in the factories back then, I made the truck seat at a place called Lear for... The Dodge Ram, mm-hmm. that was a, a booming, booming business in the late 90s, early 2000s in, mm-hmm. in the St. Louis area. Um, so when um, Chrysler started going, you know, they, they really started scaling down before they shut down. Lear was no more a thing. They, they transferred business. Anyway, I know guys who back in the late 60s, early 70s, graduated high school, went to work for Chrysler or Ford, and they worked their way through they didn't have to work until they were 65, 67 because they could retire out, I think at 30 years. Gotcha. And so that left them maybe, maybe 35 years, I think. Okay. Because they, they worked up until they were, you know, almost 60, like 55 ish or something, something around there. Um, and then they were given full retirement and they were given full benefits. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, the light at the end of the tunnel for them. Yeah. The, the, and they made pretty decent money. The only thing is, man, they drove like from our area. It, they were driving, especially to Ford. They were driving uh, an hour and a half one way every day. Right. You know, and in traffic up on 270 and, and then to, to 70 Highway, whatever. There's probably a lot of carpooling going on too, right? There, there was, but still yet yeah, you're, you're in a car for... An, an extra no min, at a minimum of three hours per day yeah minimum so if you're working an eight hour shift it's 11 hours you're away from home if you're working a 12 hour shift obviously mm-hmm. you know it's you're spending a lot of time away from the house so if, but there was something there that made them keep going back they liked it they were comfortable and they were making pretty good money and the benefits were really good back then good mm-hmm. insurance and, and a decent retirement so that, that was kind of the nugget the golden nugget at the end of it all i just i don't I mean, I guess the the right number would get me to do that, but I mean, to, just to think to work a twelve hour shift and and three hours outside of that twelve hours is traveling mm-hmm. a day. You're talking fifteen hours. You only have in another twenty four hour day in a twenty four hour day. Yeah, you're not mowing the yard when you get home. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your weekends. Your weekends should be the time. Well, I mean. I don't know what schedules are like. I don't know if there's a Monday through Friday jobs, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, your weekends are mowing the yard and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe those people are like the ultimate dad. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? They they wake up early Saturday morning and they put on their new balance and they go out and get them green and mow the yard and then they grill for dinner. And uh, yeah, maybe that, maybe they're the ultimate dad. I don't know. I I think they just, it's particular to people and maybe that might even be, in a sense, a little bit of a generational thing too. I don't know if we can really scale it down to that, but definitely it, it's particular to a certain kind of person. They, they were happy in the life that they were afforded because not everybody could, th- those jobs were limited, mind you. Yeah. And the factory jobs up there, especially in the seventies and eighties, those were coveted. Mm-hmm. Like even when I got on to the, the job that I got, it, it wasn't easy to get, I had to know somebody, Yeah. you know? And so because I knew somebody, I had an in, 
through the union. And so I was able to, to, to get in there, even though I, I didn't deserve the job, but, um, it, it, it was a good job back yeah. then. I made a lot of money doing what I did. But when I first started, I was working 12 hour shifts. Of course I, I went ahead and, and lived up there. Just, I, I didn't drive until much later, uh, in my work up there, but I was working 12 hour shifts six days a week when I first started and I wasn't used to factory work yet. I had worked in one factory at Huffy building bicycles long ago and it wasn't nothing like this dude. And the work wasn't hard, but it was that repetitive motion mm -hmm. over and over. And some of it was, you know, you had to pull and you had to tug and things like that. I would come home and my hands would be locked and swollen and I would have to get up the next day and do it all over again. Mm -hmm. And it, it was 21 years old. Mm -hmm. It was kind of torturous. So I couldn't imagine having to do that and then add an extra three hours of drive, which it had been more like probably two, two and a half for me if I were living down here and driving to Earth City, but still. I can't imagine a lot of how, stuff. I can't imagine how many uh carpal tunnel surgeries and stuff like that that the that company had to pay for. Bunches. My my job now, we actually have a guy on site who is a a doctor that deals with that kind of thing. Any if anybody has anything, any kind of issues that they deal that they feel like a you know, a little twinge in your in your hand or something like that that you think could be anything, they're there to you know, help you and, you know, walk you through it and stuff like that, mm -hmm. which I mean, in reality, if you think about how much the business is saving, but yeah, they're paying this guy to do this for the company. But if he's saving people from getting carpal tunnel and stuff like that, how many millions of dollars the company's saving on not having to pay for surgeries and stuff like it's that? Really good idea. Preventative measures, you know, yeah, really so, good idea. Yeah. Because we had guys that were getting carpal tunnel surgery left and right. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you get settlements for each surgery you get, too. So, like, yeah, yeah this this one's worth, you know, 12000 This is my second, so it's only worth eight. Right. My goodness, man, but still. It, I, it, I, I've seen that with multiple people. And there was one guy who, uh, he had carpal tunnel surgery on one hand. Then, like, a couple of months later, he went and had carpal, carpal tunnel surgery on the other hand. Well, apparently, I think it was the first hand that he had surgery on was they had uh, issues with it. Like he was having a lot of scar tissue and stuff like that building up. Mm. So I think they did another surgery and then decided um, it's time to just cut the hand off. And they amputated his hand. You're kidding me. No. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard. Uh-uh. No, it was just so crazy. Like I've never heard of that kind of. No. Yeah. That's that's a terrible story. I know. <laughs> I wasn't trying to build you up on that one. I was just saying, but it just it's crazy to me, like that 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 those kinds of things happen. Oh man, we need to really push forward on the the use of robotic uh, prosthetics, yeah, yeah. replacement limbs. Yeah, technology is heading that way. I've seen a lot of a lot of different things, but it's hard to get past right now. It's kind of you know kind of uh, moving on to another subject. But have you seen the whole? Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk race to space mm -hmm. in their big dick rockets. At least uh -huh. the Bezos was. It looked exactly like a schlong yep. um, shooting up into space. What are your thoughts on that? Cool. But I feel like that money that's being spent could be going towards a lot better things than just our billionaires wanting to go to space. Yeah. They're not going to space for anything. Like what, what, what's the benefit for humanity that they're, that all these, all this money is going towards them flying to space for a couple of minutes and then coming back. So let me, let me start off by saying, I agree with your, your basic premise that billions of dollars, man, that could do what for the school systems, you know, especially the underprivileged school systems, mm -hmm. underprivileged neighborhoods, yep. you know, pour that money into a place like Detroit or Baltimore or 
St. Louis in some areas or East St. Louis for sure, South Chicago, um, that money could do great things, you know, and, and they're wasting it in rocket fuel and, and big metal, you know, phallics, phallic <laughs> symbols that go up into space. But anyway, <laughs> so, but let me flip this around though, yeah. because especially when you're looking at somebody like Elon Musk, Elon Musk is not the type of guy that's just short term. Hey, watch me go up into space. Well, that's not uh, his goal. Before you get into that, when you asked me that question, I was strictly talking about Bezos. Okay. I am completely the opposite when it comes to Elon Musk. Okay. Because Fair of enough. the technological advances we've gotten just because of that man. Mm-hmm. It that yeah. I, I don't feel like he he I don't feel like he does anything just for the sake of spending money. Yeah. So but go ahead. He's already made it a point, a mission that he wants to be the guy to get us to Mars. Yeah. Now, is that really gonna be worth it? I don't know, but he's looking at the long game. This guy this guy's headspace is in a different headspace than probably anybody else on the planet. Yeah. Right. Because not who was this guy? I mean, how did he make these billions and billions of dollars? I don't think he came from money. If I'm, if I'm correct, he was an immigrant, I believe. Doesn't, right. Doesn't it for like or his the, family was for like the, you know, just the normal everyday guy like us. Doesn't it just seem like the name Elon Musk just popped up a couple of years ago and all of a sudden he is who he is. It wasn't too awful long ago, yeah. And he, but he was a billionaire by then. I know, right? but it, it's just weird. Like I, I never felt like I heard his name up until a couple of years ago, and now all of a sudden it's Elon Musk, Elon Musk this, Elon Musk that. I think I heard of Tesla long before I heard yeah. of Elon Musk. You know, so. I do. Do you do you think you see more Teslas popping up now? I see them quite a bit more now. I, I don't really notice a lot more. I mean, I know people who have them. I see a few around our area, not a whole lot. Yeah, I know. Um, I know a couple of people who have. But there's them. not a whole lot of stations around here either to charge them, right? Aren't, don't they? They they have to be charged, right? Yeah, I don't know of any stations around here, but I don't know if those are hybrid or are those completely electric. Is is Tesla like fully I thought, electric? I thought they were. Maybe I'm. I could, yeah. be, I could be wrong. I'm not sure to be honest. I don't know enough about it. I know what they look like though, because they stick out. When you see a Tesla, you know it's a Tesla. Yeah, as far as I know, the closest like charging stations are probably like a half an hour north of us. Hmm. I don't know. Like Festus area. I'm pretty sure. I know I've seen some there. Okay. I'm not sure about that. There's actually one in the Schnooks parking lot in Festus. Really? Wait, is that Schnooks? Is that Schnooks by Home Depot? Uh, Sounds right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a charging port there. Okay. Which is kind of weird, but. But yeah, so these guys are driving to space. I I think for Bezos, it's just a flex, but you know, who knows? I I don't really care for that guy much. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as a person, he doesn't show me much. Elon, on the other hand, some of his technology scares me, but he also, like the Neuralink, that's just scary stuff. Yeah. To be able to communicate without having to talk. Mm -hmm. No, he's been watching too much Star Trek. (laughs) Problem is he's got the money and the brains to get it done. Yeah. But but his technology, though, he's, that that man's got a plan. Now, granted, here's here's the kicker, though. Here's where... I have to continue to dig a little deeper into what's going on. If, you know, so let's say something happens on earth and we got to make a quick exit, big asteroid coming, whatever. Maybe we know something's about to blow. Maybe the super volcanoes over in the West, Western part of our country. Um, We know something's about to happen. So it's time to colonize Mars. Well, guess what? I doubt that you and I are going to make the list. I doubt that anybody that we know and love is going to make the list. I think only the the richest of the rich, or maybe the select few that they that they select, you know, the the best breeders or the certain kind of breeds or something like that of human beings, are going to be the ones to go. Plus, they got to fit animals on there and everything else. So, it, yeah, it might be a race to save humanity, but I don't think that we're going to benefit from it. So, selfishly, I'm like, you know, that's yeah, great thinking there, you know, Spock, but it's, we're still not going to benefit from that. At least 
me or my future generations probably aren't going to benefit from your your escape to Mars. That's, but the guy's doing something to perpetuate humanity. You got to give some. I mean, I give some credit to that. That's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, I understand your idea, but that just seems like a lot to happen in a very small amount of time. Like by the time that we could detect that an asteroid's going to hit Earth and take out Earth. Now we need to load up whoever's actually going to be able to make it there. Plus, we'd have to have all the rockets in place and everything like that to be able to move or to be able to get to Mars. I, I think that's what's going to be taking place. You think though. so? You think I, we'll have like a lot of rockets set, ready to go? I don't think we. I think they will. Well, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's what major. I think that's what's happening. And I could be watching too many movies. Chances are I am, which yeah. I don't watch a whole lot of movies now. But it reminds me of 2012. You ever see that movie? Where hmm. the world is just imploding with volcanic action and the, oh, the Earth is falling John in. Oh, was that John Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so okay. they had that big. What was it called? Uh, was it the Ark? I think. I don't remember. Um, I believe it was the Ark. It was a huge ship, and they had everybody was getting over to China to get on it because that's where it was being built. And I, I would imagine something like that, you know. But that's not even. I mean, that's not going to happen. Like right now, let's say we detect a because we can detect an asteroid or something like that, a meteor or whatever, coming probably years out in advance. Gotcha. But um, I don't. I don't think that's where we're at. We haven't even gotten to Mars yet. Yeah. So I think it's just the future. You we know, got, we got something on Mars. We've didn't got we? Mars rovers and things okay. on there. Oh yeah, but we, no human yet. Because yeah. what, what they say, it's going to take like three years to get there. Or something that, that number might not be right. But it's going to take a while to even get there. And the effect that no gravity, zero gravity, has on the body and things like that. Once we do get there to try to set up shop, is is. It's a lot for, I mean, you've got to be in great shape and there's a lot of bone loss that you right. succumb to and uh, all kinds of different things that happen to your, your body physiologically that, and, and psychologically as well, mm-hmm. that uh, they're just not, that, that we haven't done it yet. But Elon wants to be the guy to get us there. Not that he's going to be the guy to actually colonize, although his brain will probably be preserved and he will probably still be involved a thousand years from now. That's the thing. But, it's like, you know, you're talking about these things that, like he's in an industry that, takes years and years to get things off of the ground and to get things perfected and all that kind of stuff. You know, you're only on this planet for so long. So like, I I wonder like if he had a bucket list, I wonder what it looks like as far as like, not like the things he wants to do, but like things that he wants to have achieved or like, you know, I want to get something to Mars by before I die or whatever. Yeah. I'd like to see what his bucket list look like. Well, I, I know for a fact, because I've heard him say it, his bucket list, number one, is getting to Mars. Yeah. Now, that's not him personally. Yeah. He, he, he'll be, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm almost positive he said on the Joe Rogan show. I know I've heard him say it. Pretty sure it was on Joe Rogan where he says he's not going to be the one to actually go to Mars. He's not an astronaut. Mm-hmm. You know, he belongs down here to, to get the astronauts to where they're going. Right. But he wants to be the guy to get those people there. Yeah. He, he wants to be the, the guy who you know, builds the ships and, right. and you know, um, finances the whole thing right. and has all the ideas. He, he wants to be that guy. That's his number one goal. Right. So uh, it, I'm not even saying that the whole billionaire thing, that we're not going to get the opportunity to escape from a, a, a planet that's being destroyed. Um, but other other people are going to have to be able to pay for the ticket, you know, to, to pay for the technology. Well, that, not that it's necessarily him, but other, you know, rich entities, government officials, things like that. They're going to be the ones to get to jump ship, not us. Well, that was going to be my next question. You, you talk about money. You know, we've only talked about Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, but, you know, what about the other guys? Was it Warren Buffett? Was he the like the first one that went up? Mm, I don't was it know. Warren, Warren Buffett? I don't, I don't no, know. He's, not, he's maybe, old. No, maybe not man. Warren Buffett. Who, who was the other one that went? Somebody went first before Jeff Bezos. Um, I can't think of who it was. Oh, it was the uh, 
the Virgin guy, Virgin Mobile guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever his name is. William Branson. Richard Branson. Okay, that's it. Yeah. I don't know where I got Warren Buffett. Yeah, close enough. Hey, Anyways, another rich guy. Yeah, another rich guy. But, you know, where's the money going for these people who are paying to, to go? Like, Ashton Kutcher was supposed to be going. Apparently, Ashton Kutcher was supposed to be on one of these flights, and then his wife told him she didn't want him to go, so he didn't go. His wife, Mila, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, I would have I would have listened to what she said, too. Yeah. But what I'm saying is is that where's that money going to? Maybe Maybe it's going towards more research and things like that maybe so you mean so if somebody like Ash, ashton pays for a ticket which is a lot of money where's the money going to yeah like i want to know where that well, money goes I, well to. I've, i'm pretty sure rocket fuel costs a lot <laughs> and, <laughs> and and just the maintenance I, I would imagine every time they have to go up which i know elon i don't I, I didn't see enough to know that he was in one of the rockets that was able to land back down i don't think so but i don't know that for sure um I know that uh, Jeff came back down in one of the parachute pod things. Yeah. So anytime that you you do that, you're you're only coming back in a piece of what you just built. The rest of it's in the ocean trash or, yeah. or wherever in the atmosphere trash. Right. So it's like you've got to build a new one every time you do that. That's why Elon's been building that thing, and they've been testing out in the, in the ocean. They have a platform out there, mm-hmm. and so the rocket takes off, but then that same rocket also lands back down. Right. That is, and Elon did this, right? Yeah. So that is huge because yeah. nobody else has ever done that before. Right. No matter whoever we're talking about, whether it be Ashton Kutcher, if it's $10,000 to pay to fly, I don't know how much it actually is. I don't remember. I, I heard the number at one point, but... You know, this may still be a person who gives to charities and does this and does that. That's great. But, and I understand that it's a cool thing to do, but what's it, what's it doing for anybody else? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Agreed. And if it's just something that you would like to do, let's not media, let's not put a shitload of media around it. Let's just, that's what you want to do. You want to pay that kind of money to do it and not put that kind of money towards something that's a lot more important than you just riding up in a rocket for a couple of minutes and then coming back down. Yeah. You know, I, that's just, that's my, my theory. I hear you there. And I like Ashton Kutcher. I'm not trying to bad mouth Matt Ashton Kutcher. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's just kind of like rubbing your, uh, your riches, whatever, your privilege, whatever, however you want to put it in everybody's face. Yeah. It's like, I can afford to go to space and look at stars. Mm-hmm. Or I could feed a thousand people, but I'm going to go to space right. instead. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that, and, and you know, especially all of this in the midst of COVID, right? You know, not that I, I don't know what they would do otherwise. There's there's a lot of people that have suffered through COVID. You know, mm-hmm. through the through the lockdowns, through the loss of employment, all of that stuff. You know, and of course, people have lost people. You know, people have died, people have gotten sick, maybe been debilitated. And so all of this race to space in the private sector when in in the middle of a pandemic, right? Seems just kind of like life is weird right now. Mm-hmm. This, this is a strange time. And I'm sure that most generations kind of had the same effect, the same feeling when things were going on during their time. But this is just, this is weird, man. We, we've got we've got billionaires flying up into space just because they can. We've got people on the ground going ape crazy because of a pandemic. And it's got people fighting amongst each other, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. We've got... You know, and, and that's part of it, too, is like, you know, we also have hospitals full of people that are sick right now, that that money that we're spending to, to just for random rich people to go to space right. could be spent on ventilators right. and all this stuff that hospitals are having issues getting a hold of, you know, it, it, that just it, it blows my mind. Yeah, I agree. Like you said weird, weird time right now. It, it is a weird time. But, it, but, you know, it seems like, I don't know, and I've seen a lot of people with the same logic with the same kind of opinion about Bezos and, and Musk and 
uh, Richard Branson going up into space. They say, you know, yeah, good job, but there's a lot of things that that money could have been used for, right? A lot of people have that sentiment, but I still feel like in our culture, in a sense, it's still being kind of applauded, like especially maybe by the media. And, and of course, the media is trash. You know, the general mainstream media in a lot of ways is just garbage, but it still gives us an in, some insight into what's going on. Like if it wasn't for mainstream media, we wouldn't have known that these guys were going into space. I don't know. It just seems like it's still being applauded in a way, but in general, you know, as if, yeah, we're down here with COVID and everything, but good job guys. I can see that little dot in the, in the sky. That's, right. that's Jeff Bezos's big metal pecker up there. He's, he's <laughs> lying around. <laughs> and uh, did you see that rocket? I mean, I it did. really I looked, did, yeah. I, I don't keep bringing that up, but uh-huh. it really did. I mean, that had to have been on purpose. You would think it had to have been on purpose. Yeah. He's like, look how big mine is. <laughs> anyway. Did you, um, did you know that, when him and his wife got divorced, it made her like one of the top richest women in the world. Yeah. By getting divorced. Yes. That's insane. It's man, I I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, in the age that we are in the technology technology? Technology that we have, um, Jeff Bezos has probably had his finger on the pulse of it. And if to sound bitter, I guess anybody who could be in his position would probably be in his position, but you do hear the horror stories about how Amazon employees are treated, uh, what their work shifts are like and, you know, not being able to go to the bathroom and, and, you know, and maybe this is publicized in a, in a bad way. Maybe it's not as bad as employees like to make it sound out, sound like it is, but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of horror stories that you hear about how what Amazon is. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense because of what Amazon is. I mean, how fast they get you anything that you want, whether you want a package of Oreos or you want a, a drone or, you know, whatever, whatever you're looking to get, you can get in two days. Yeah. As long as you pay for Prime, <laughs> you know? So I understand it, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't feel like he stands for what, people want he, he doesn't i think i don't i don't know very much about him i don't know him personally but from what i've heard and oftentimes you got to consider that a lot of the negative stuff about people is the stuff that gets the most traction like in the media or just in general you know discussion but you, you can't say the same about elon i mean yeah. his negative currents that that made stock prices go down was he smoked weed on the joe rogan show yeah you know not that he was making his workers Pee well, in freaking well, bottles while they're driving because they don't they're not allowed to stop. And, and and you know they're putting furniture together now too. Did you hear that? Who is? Amazon workers. Like when if they deliver a piece of furniture to your house, they come and assemble it, but they've only had they only have like eight minutes to assemble this piece of furniture before they have to go because some people paid for Prime. And I actually heard this on a talk show. I don't remember whose it was, but they were talking about, you know, it gets it gets me thinking, is what they were saying. And I, I kind of agree with it. I do agree with it. Is that you know, yeah, I want my stuff fast, but is it really worth people suffering? Because they, they need jobs, right? They're trying to feed their families, but they've got these mad quotas that they're having to, to, right. to hit. Right. And they're having to pee in bottles and, and put furniture together in mad time and, and probably speed down the highways and not get enough sleep or whatever just because we want our stuff a little more quickly. Right. It, it made me think, maybe I can wait another day or two for my Amazon order, you know? If anybody hasn't actually heard what 
like what the Amazon employees have to go through and stuff like that. I know there's podcasts out there that talk about it, but I, but like there's a lot of interviews out there with Amazon employees too. And like you said, like peeing in a bottle, that's not a joke. Like they actually yeah, no, have, it's to real. Do, they have to do that kind of stuff. And it's like literally like going over in a corner and peeing. But like when they get it there and they clock in, it's mad dash the entire time you're there and you have quotas. Actually, I think radio lab did a podcast about this. Uh, they have quotas and it's like seconds to get like to go and pick up something and bring it back and, and, and load up orders and stuff like that. And you're actually on a counter. So if you, you know, if you have 15 seconds to go get this thing and you, it takes you 20 seconds, you're dot, you know, you're, you're on the hook for five seconds there. And that's, and it keeps tracking all day long, all day long. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that, that, it goes into like your raises and all that kind of stuff. Like you have a rate. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. And it's kind of like, um, I don't know if you've ever dealt with it or talked to anybody who works in a call center, which actually I think, of course you have. Yeah. Never mind. That was a dumb thing to say. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, but you know, they have certain call, like they're supposed to keep calls under a certain amount of time. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same, the same concept, you know, anything that you go over like four minutes or whatever that you haven't resolved the issue, you know, that looks bad on you. Right. Same kind of concept, you know, if it takes you, if it's supposed to be 15 seconds for you to, you know, get that, whatever it is. And, and it takes you 20. Now it looks that five seconds looks bad on you because it took you longer than it's supposed to. So yeah. it's, 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 it's nuts. And I think about it like the way that I work in any job that I have, I would rather be going all day long. So if it was a good environment and I would love to have that job because your day would go by so fast mm-hmm. and you, and you wouldn't even really have time to think about like time or anything like that. You'd just be going, going, going all day long. So it would actually I would actually kind of like that kind of job probably, but I don't need to be peeing in a bottle on a corner and I don't need people yelling at me and stuff like that for me doing my job either. Yeah. That's a dignity issue on top of other things, you know, just the fact that we live in today's day and age and you have to pee in a bottle because I mean, unfortunately in other countries, you know, developing countries where we get a lot of our goods and services produced that's that sounds like something they would have to do, you know, and that's something we rail against for you know in the in the quote unquote sweatshop type of environment. Mm-hmm. This is Amazon, the, the richest company in the world, maybe I think something. Probably, uh, yeah, I would imagine, but it's up there if not. But it is like their workers are having to do that. Like that's the best thing you can figure out. Right. And also, I I don't have the actual source to back it up. But I don't I don't remember who was once again. This it might have been on Joe Rogan podcast. But anyway, apparently Amazon is also infamous for firing people, um, their workers after so long instead of giving them raises. Mm. So they they just they find ways to fire their their employees instead of promoting them or instead of um, having to give them positive reviews for for raises. So. Yeah. Just, that's just what I've heard from another show. I, I don't have, once again, the, the source to back it up. But it makes sense, man. You don't build a company that size. You don't, you don't become as rich as Bezos without compromising a lot of other things you know, in life, including maybe integrity and morals and values that you should you know, in, instill for your employees. So. That's, what, that's what sucks about like states like Missouri. Uh, I mean depending on the scenario, it could be good, 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 or it could be bad. But like Missouri is considered an at will state. So any place in Missouri, you can fire anybody and not have a reason for it. Like you can just, you can fire somebody. Now they can still get unemployment. There's that kind of, there's that thing still involved, but yeah, 
you don't really have to have much of a reason. So in that, like that kind of scenario, if you don't really want to promote somebody who's not really doing that great, but you know, it's time for a review or something like that, you know, it, it, and you also see things ahead of time too, because if you, if you don't, if somebody's not really doing that great of a job, it's time for a review. You either have the option of giving them a raise, trying to get them to do a little better, or you don't give them a raise and you know they're not going to do any better, probably going to do worse because they didn't get a raise. Yeah. You, you let them go. You know, you know what I'm saying? So maybe it's looking to the future a little bit and just weighing weighing the options. But Yeah, the fire at will, though, that's, that's a tricky thing. For one thing, you said, yeah, the unemployment. That's actually a pretty big thing. Yeah. But, you know, you have to have a pretty good... You have to have paper trail for one thing, aka write-ups, things of that nature. Maybe bad reviews, whatever, um, quarterly reviews, whatever that you might give to your employees. You got to have those to back your to back it up in order to be able to quote unquote fire somebody. Um, but the the unemployment benefits are the uh, yeah the unemployment will, will kill a, a, an employer if that employer's not careful. Mm-hmm. It's like the insurance is just crazy. And so it really, uh, employer, even though we're in a state that seems like it's pretty liberal as far as firing people go, I know how difficult it is for um, the consideration of firing. Even though we're at Will State, you would think, well, if I just don't like the way this person is performing, I don't need a paper trail. I can just say, hit the road, Jack. Not that easy, though, because of the unemployment option that's there. So, And also, man, there's a lot of other avenues that people take in in order to try to make things hard for your business. I mean, you've got people who are trying to run a legitimate business. And if you've got this piss poor employee, right? Piss poor. Like there's no reason why they should still have to be working for you because they're doing a terrible job. It's not just that they're not doing so great. Some people do absolutely terrible, Mm -hmm. right? They're they're a terrible employee Mm -hmm. and they're not trying to do any better. And so sometimes it's still difficult to get rid of that person, you know, and I, I find that's a problem because that drains. I understand that employees need, believe me, I, I know I used to be a, a union employee for a long time. I, I like the union for a, a lot of intents and purposes. Employees need protection, but it, it, to some degree employers do too. Now this is kind of on a, like the reverse continuum of Amazon, right? He has all the protection he needs because he's got all the money in the world and he can treat his employees like he does apparently, um, to whereas small businesses, though, I think small businesses. Let me let me reframe my overall phrase there. Okay. Small businesses need more protection, in my opinion. Um, so do the employees, but the the business itself, the employer needs a, a certain amount of protection as well because it's just just like life works on a con, uh, on a on a pendulum, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it's like in politics, we'll swing way far to the left, and then as soon as we get done there, you swing way far to the right. It's like, no, the pendulum needs to like slow down and, and stick to the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's kind of where the protection for employee and employer needs to be is, is right here in the middle so that we just take a, a really comprehensive and hard look at actually what's going on and not think that just because it's an employer that they're taking advantage of this employee. Right. Um, and, and vice versa for that matter, because I do believe that employees need need protection as well. But it's a tricky thing, man. I didn't realize how tricky it was. And I don't own a business myself, but I, I'm pretty close with people that do. Yeah. And uh, and my dad used to as well. He he owned businesses when I was coming up. So it's uh it's a tricky tricky line to walk. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But at any rate, looks like we have gone what? Where are we at here? Uh, fifty fifty three minutes. Fifty three minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
We've got, uh, I think we've got seven minutes left in us. So I can probably come up with something. Not enough to unpack a, a great deal of things, but we never hit the topic of the Olympics. I threw in the, the, the rocket ships, and that took us. <laughs> <laughs> it's something we didn't discuss pre-show, but <laughs> no, it came not. to me. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I've been wanting to talk about that. The Olympics. Mm-hmm. Very uh, interesting Olympics this year. First of all, you have the, uh, it's coming up actually tomorrow. Today is what, Sunday, August 1st. Mm-hmm. And I think tomorrow, August 2nd is when there is history in the making when Laurel Hubbard, a trans woman, born a man, now woman, is going to be competing in the powerlifting event in the Olympics in Tokyo. Thoughts? Ooh. Hot topic, I know. Hot topic. Um, Proceed with caution. Let's see. Let me ask you a question off of this. Does it matter how she does to know how this topic goes? Hmm. What if she loses? Yeah. To several other women. Yeah. Does that mean? Does that make people think that this is more fair now? I, I think that naturally it will. I think the concern is that this person, born a man, now a woman, identifies as a woman trans you know gender i think the the natural concern either way is that laurel's going to come out just smoke everybody because she was in fact born a man right right that that's where the the major controversy comes in Mm -hmm. so yeah i think it does change the 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 overall story if she gets you know beaten at least by one other woman right you know what i'm saying yeah that was my main question. I, I, I think. Well, I think that that question though answers what answers my thoughts because I, I'm still of the mind of do what you want. Mm-hmm. Like if this is if you don't feel comfortable as a man or you don't feel comfortable as a woman, you want to transition. You do you. That's fine with me. Right. You do get into gray areas when you're talking about transition. You know, being something for a long time, a, a long part of your life, and then transitioning to some to to a different gender. And then going into something like this to where you're going up against males or females that you, you never used to be or something like that. There's yeah. gray areas here. I, I get it. Yeah. I don't know how to answer the question, though, because I don't should you, you I don't necessarily think that you should not let people compete in the Olympics or compete in these things because they made a life choice that made them happier. Mm-hmm. That's hard. That's hard for me to say that you can't do that. But it's also hard to say, well, then what else do you do? Do you make like a trans category to where it's only trans people that are up against each other? I don't know that that's fair either. And then it's also like segregating them into their own category. And I don't like that either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, and I think, I think I have the same answer as a lot of people will give you. Like, I, I think it's just in a gray area for me. I don't know how. To really feel about it. Okay. Well, keep in mind, my only question was thoughts. I know. I know. And I don't know how to give you my thoughts. That's the problem. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But but no, seriously, it, it, for me, it's just a gray area. I, I want mm-hmm. people to be happy. I want them to do what they need to do in life to be happy. I don't, and I don't feel like I have to agree with it or that they need me to fe- to have to agree with what they, what they do to make them happy. No. That's on them. The, to, to be happy. And the only reason that I like to talk about it is because I think that it's an exercise in trying to broaden like our, our the landscape of our, you know, our minds, uh, yeah. of our thought processes. Right. Broadens our horizons in a sense because 
unless you're forced to unpack it. And, and I think this also, of course, I've, I've been broadened by other conversations I've heard too, other podcasts, other people talking about it. Okay. Um, and, and everybody that I listen to is I don't listen to anyone who's like transphobic. It's, you know, they, they're not on my listening uh, list. They're, they're not on my playlist. Well, what about a, uh, like, do you listen to Ben Shapiro? Off Much? and on, you know, okay. so, so my exercise, just to deviate for a moment on that notion, my exercise is to listen to someone like Ben Shapiro and then shortly thereafter listen to someone like David Pakman, who, who's a progressive, right? Right. So I listen to those two guys on the same subject. I check to see what they're talking about as much as possible, and I try to see the differing opinions from far right to far left, and, and that way I, that's how I kind of come up to my conclusions that I come up with because I see value in both, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to play on your team. I'm just not going to do it. You know, I don't care what your team is. I, I am my own team. You know, and that I'm, I'm not going to be a Republican or a Democrat or conservative or liberal. Y'all can take that. And you can shove it. <laughs> it's not me. I'm not going to do yeah, it. You, yeah. you can go play yourselves, play with yourselves. Um, but anyway, going back to, to that notion, I'm talking about people like Sam Harris, people like Joe Rogan, especially. He talks about it pretty, pretty candidly um, and, and some others, too, who have talked about, you know, the very question, should trans people be able to compete? I don't think we... I, I think we're beyond should they, you know, I think it, it's going to happen. I don't think there's any stopping it, to be honest with you, because yeah. society's not going to let it stop. But I do like to hear the concerns, you know, like Joe Rogan talks about fighting specifically. Like if, if you had a trans woman in the UFC ring with a, a, someone born a woman. Now, let me preface this also here by saying, because there, there's a concern, but then there's also some reality to look at. I, I, I have come into contact with women in my life personally, that I know could probably kick my ass. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm confident of it. Some women are just not built like other women, you yeah. know, and it's the same with guys. Yeah. You know, some guys are just not built like other guys. Um, now when you're at the top or, at the top ush, upper echelons of like the, the baddest dude in the world versus maybe the baddest woman in the world, I think that's might, might be where you see a difference though, you yeah. know, as far as whether or not you're born a man or a woman. Right. I just, you know, guys are just built differently than women. And that's Joe Rogan's major concern. But let's take something like, you know, basketball or, or, or baseball. I, I know there are women out there that could totally smoke me in basketball. I, I saw a girl, she couldn't have been more than a sophomore, junior in high school. And she was a good three or four inches taller than me. I was, I was dumbfounded. I was like, <laughs> my gosh, this, this woman is huge. This girl is, is just so tall. Uh-huh. Um, and she looked like she could handle herself as far as, you know, with sports as well. Looked like she had plenty of, um, uh, just, she could make the right moves, right? Coordination is what I was looking for. But so that there are going to be extremes on a lot of sides. And I think that's, that's one thing. The concern is that though, whether or not there's an unfair advantage. And so what I like to hear is a woman talking about this more so than me. But I, I want to preface by saying, look, I don't consider myself to have that, supreme advantage. I'm not, I'm not talking about me. I don't personalize it to me. So I'm talking in general, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm, I'm trying to even play on the man team here. I, th I think it's the question. And I think one of the major concerns that could come across would be, so what if I'm a man, not me once again, but what if this, there's a man and this man decides he wants to be a female, like say at 29 years old when his body is fully developed you know he, he's ran the course of, of testosterone for all those years during his formative years and he and he was muscular and fit and, and athletic and coordinated and then he decides to become a woman and then competes in something like the olympics does that at that point make it unfair because and i, I don't know that this could happen and i don't mean to minimize 
trans people's like experience because most of them talk about feeling like they were misgendered since they were a kid, right? So they, they didn't carry themselves as a man or as a woman, depending on which way, you know, right. what, what, what the, what the general, the specific case is. But, um, so that's the case. But I think the concern, we go back to the extremes again for the question, you know, what if that happens? Is that still fair? And how you, how do you delineate that from someone who was, you know, carried themselves as a woman and treated themselves like a woman since a very young age. So they didn't really get the full benefits of testosterone, even though they still have the skeletal structure, you know, and, and the muscular structure of a man, they might not have uh, gotten the maximum benefit of that structure by, you know, like working hard and, and, you know, boosting testosterone through their sports and through working out things like that. Well, th- didn't this just happen not too long ago? I think we actually talked about it on raise on the radio. And I c- I apologize. I can't remember the guy's name, but this happened. This was a guy who was in his forties, I think, and, uh, was a Navy SEAL. And he ended up transitioning in his forties to a woman and was playing college ball for a college (laughs) with, on a woman's team. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there was a lot of controversy around that, of Uh, course, and all that. So I, I, I guess my question is, is it fair or is there a difference? So if you have a woman's basketball team right now mm-hmm. and you have a guy who's been a guy all his life, not planning on transitioning, nothing. He's just, he's just a male wants to play on the woman's team. Should he be allowed to? Does it make a difference if that male then goes to transition into a female now wants to play for a woman's team? What is the difference there? The difference is what society is attempting to do. And this is without judgment on my part. I, I think this is just kind of brass tacks analysis, it, my analysis. So keep that in mind. But it is society's attempt to try to assist people in normalizing um, what would previously be known as gender identity issues. Okay. But now it's, and it still might be kind of framed as that. But the premise is that this person internally does not consider himself a man. Okay. Okay, so that's different than a man who knows he's a man, considers himself a man, tries to cross over and play against women. But what does that change physically for the sport itself? I'm not sure that there's... I don't think that's a... That's not in the conversation right now. So it doesn't make sense. At, at least not. To me. To me. I mean, it's in some conversations. If you listen yeah. to, to Joe Rogan or somebody like that, it's in those conversations. Someone who has the the platform and the balls and uh, doesn't have to worry about who's going to come against him because he's already established. Um, but for other people, it, it, I mean, like the physical aspect of it is not in the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's all about how that person feels. Yeah. That's where we're at as society. Once again, I, I'm not judging. I have big concerns about that. And it's not the typical concern. You know, there, there's a lot of scare tactics for a lot of people. And who knows? Possibilities are endless, right? But one of the scare tactics is that, well, you know, you walk into a, a you know, you send your, I have daughter, you know, I have a daughter, and I don't want her to go into a restroom where there's a guy, obviously. But if there is a trans woman in there, Right, we're you know that society is easing us into being comfortable with that. That trans woman is is a trans woman. It's not a child, you know, offender. Right, mm-hmm. it's not someone who's trying to you know what I'm saying, trying to um, sexually assault my child. Right, 
right? That, and that's not even on the map. But it, somehow those two things got correlated. And, and I, I agree with that, I think, you know, as far as I know. Like I said, the possibilities are endless. But I think for the most part, that's, that's accurate. That, that trans woman is, I don't know what their, their sexual orientation is, but whether or not that was a woman, a trans woman, a man, or a trans man, if it's a, if it's a sexual offender, that person is a sexual offender, they're a sexual offender. It doesn't right. matter. So I could send my child in with a woman born as a woman, and, and possibly the same thing could happen. So that we don't want to assign something like that to something that we're just scared of because we don't know enough about it yet that's stigma right so so what about the what about the other hot button topic when it comes to identifying and not actually transitioning but identifying so what if you have a male who identifies as a female but still has no record not a pedophile or anything like that do you still feel the same way that they should be able to go into the same bathroom as your daughter well and why is that different you and that that's that's a hard question though i mean because i don't know that person's intentions Someone who's not actually like showing that they are, are they that they are committing to be that that trans person, right? They're yeah. just identifying. Yeah. How do you know? I mean, I think when I think there's there's got to be a tipping point, right? And this is just kind of a that was a good question, but it, it was very much off the cuff, you know, answer for me to have to try to come up with yeah. on the spot. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking you questions that I can't answer. So yeah, okay. <laughs> I want you to stumble through it and not me. Perfect. And, and stumble, I will. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's gotta be some kind of commitment in my opinion, because if a person's not committing, then it is a free for all. And, and that's not just like a threat to someone's child going into the bathroom, which I think that's, once again, I, that's a hard example to use it because is. we don't want to classify people, you know, as trans people as being some kind of, you know, we don't want to stigmatize them. Yeah. Because and and I think that we had to get past that as as not as a society as a whole, but on like if you're light uh, right leaning whatsoever, you know there was a lot of questions like that that really stigmatized people. And I think we had to get through that and be like, wait a minute, that really doesn't make as much sense as what it sounds like it does. Yeah. Right. Um, just because they're they're you know trans doesn't mean that they're they're different than what maybe I'm used to doesn't mean they're offenders of any kind, right? They're just different. So that's, that's just the way they want to live their life. But going back to the the person who just identifies but still carries themselves as, as a man for the most part, I, I don't know. That That's hard because I want to see some level of commitment there. Yeah. It's like, because otherwise, how do I know that you're just not identifying in order to perpetrate, right? Yeah. And, and maybe not, maybe not. Maybe I'm once again stigmatizing someone who just identifies, but I think there's got to be a level of commitment. I, I just do. And I don't know what that looks like for sure. But if you're not willing to, willing to commit, you know, to be that that person that you say you're identifying as, then what are you doing? You're just walking around in complete cognitive cognitive dissonance, right? You, you know, your values are one thing, but you're carrying yourself physically in a completely different way. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's not healthy anyway. So I, I think you got to make a choice. And I also think that that degrades the trans community too. Now I don't want, I don't mean to speak for them, but once again, just from my opinion, I think you have some kind of a degradation there if people are identifying as something but not committing right. to that thing because then it's just like you're kind of making a mockery of the whole thing. But then aren't they talking about, and I think some places actually have like trans bathrooms. So it, isn't that degrading also? Like because it's segregating. Like I, I, I guess I could see both sides for someone who is trans. Like that is degrading because you're segregating them from everyone else. Mm -hmm. But then also it kind of like can also, I guess, give you a safe space to do your thing as, as somebody that's trans. So I guess you could maybe see it as both. Uh, yeah. I think that's a, there's a, a lot of pros and cons to, yeah. to that situation because you are segregated, but then you're not 
going to catch somebody by surprise in the bathroom. Yeah. You know, which in my opinion shouldn't be the case anyway. You know, <laughs> bathroom is kind of a private thing. Yeah. It should be a private experience. Yeah. You know, and I'm not really paying a whole lot of attention to who's in there with me. I'm, I'm getting in and getting out, washing my hands, making sure I don't touch the, the door handle on my way out and I'm gone. You yeah. know, that's, that's the bathroom experience for me. So if you're doing anything more than that, I think you need to get a life in the bathroom. Yeah. Not, not, not get a life in the bathroom. Uh, if you're doing more than that in the bathroom, you need to get a life <laughs> outside of the bathroom. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think, but I think a lot of those hypotheticals really, a lot of them aren't, like I said, it's based in reality is what they seem to be when we first start to contemplate them. You know, I know that personally, for myself, as I started to unpack some of these things, I was like, yeah, but you know, that, that's a question and it can seem like a legitimate question, but how much reality is that based in? Yeah. Because if you think about it, probably not nearly as much. I, one of the most eye opening things for me, you know, I work in mental health and I went to a, a, a conference, mental health conference, DMH conference, um, several years ago now, but there was one workshop I went to intentionally because I, I wanted to learn more about it. And that was, uh, I forget what the title of it was, but it was, it was centered around gay, um, LGBT community, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the, that workshop was facilitated by a trans man. And this trans man, I thought it was a gay man because I, I didn't know. He, he didn't introduce himself as trans until a little bit later into the workshop. Um, I thought it was just a gay person. No, this was someone who was born a woman is now a man. And I'm telling you what, it was... That, that person was a man, you know, it took some time and there was some, some hormone therapy, things like that. But my point was I learned so much in that workshop just about how to approach things like that. And I, hopefully I don't say anything that offends anybody in my discussions with you. Cause sometimes my mind just goes, and I do have questions and I'm, I'm going to say stuff, but I, I mean, I just mean to explore the topic to once again, broaden my horizons. It's mm-hmm. never because that, that workshop really opened my eyes to a lot of just different, um, uh, just just different concepts and, and things that you considerations that you should really think about when you're dealing with people in general yeah. right mm-hmm. some people because I don't I don't go around asking this was something that kind of came out of the workshop and he didn't put it exactly this way but this is how it all kind of formulated in my mind when it was all said and done because he was talking about what your people coming up and asking if you're pre-op or post-op so in other words, have you, you know, had your schlong cut off right. or have you added a package to the whole, you know, to your sexual uh, organs? And um, his whole thing was, why is it any of your business in the first place? You know, people are curious yeah, and they might, they might not even be degrading, but just the curiosity in that sense is degrading. It's like going around to just some dude and saying, you know, how's your package? What's, you know, you got a big one as, you know shave it you know whatever mm-hmm. same to a woman you just go around you don't go around asking people that yeah and but people have felt like because even if even if they were okay with trans people like if they were accepting they would still want to know those things but it's embarrassing topics like why would you ask something like that it's, it's so private right? right it's none of your it's none of your business right i never i don't think i ever would have but that that concept really just resonates with me as far as people's private lives you know, yeah. in general, right. it's like when it comes to competition, I think it opens up a, a, a bigger story, you know, a bigger thing. Um, when it comes to the bathroom thing, I know that's a hot button question and it's, it's very loaded and it's very dangerous to tread down those waters. Um, but it is a consideration, you know, because it involves not just that person. Right. But when it comes to that person, you respect their privacy yeah. and, and it seems so simple, but yet it resonated with me so much. It's like, huh? Yeah. 
I like that. Right. You know, even even in counseling, you know, I don't open up. I let them, if they want to talk about things like that, they want to open up something like that. I've only worked with a, a few trans people and, and um, but even even people who are LGBT, you know, either one of those letters, um, I don't ever approach them as if that is the uh, the main issue or, or something that I need to know about. Right. I let them open it if when they want to talk about. It, that's what we talk about, you know, because that's what I would do. I don't I don't talk to you know straight people and and say, hey, you know, what about your sex life? Right. You know, who are you attracted to? You know, and so just having that consideration to, to walk in that manner, I think, is just an important way to approach those things. Yeah, uh, I think the other important thing, though, is is it becomes tricky when, like me and you, like I learn kind of how I feel about things a lot of times by bouncing questions off of you. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I know that that conversation is going to be stay between me and you. So even if I ask something that may be a little off color or something, it's not trying to be derating towards anybody or anything like that, but it's, I, I'm trying to form my own opinion. Yeah. So not just because I'm asking questions to somebody about something like this doesn't mean that I'm degrading or that I, but you know, a lot of people who, someone who might, might be trans might say, well, you just haven't done the research or you don't understand. I don't understand unless I can ask questions. True. And you have to have the right, que- the, you know, the right questions people to ask the questions too. Yeah. And sometimes you're, you know, especially in something like this, you may not be the best person for me to ask because you don't, you don't know either, mm-hmm, right. you know, but if, if somebody who's going through this, uh, you know, somebody who is trans, you almost want them to be open enough to answer questions and realize that, you know, a lot of people are just asking questions because they're curious, not because, you know, they, they are like trying to degrade you or bad mouth or anything like that, or look down upon you. It's literally, I want to understand, mm-hmm. I want to understand what, how you feel, you know, and I can't do that unless you open up instead of just saying, well, you, you don't understand. So don't talk about it. How can I ever understand? You know what I, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's not just that topic. That's anything in general in sure. life. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I don't know. I just think that's important to, to note too, is that's- that. It's a great point. A lot of people aren't looking just to bash. They're all they're trying to understand concepts yeah. and, and things like that. So it's a great point. It's a great point. And it, it also kind of just reiterates the the point of our podcast, just to bounce ideas off each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I don't think there's ever a time where you or I are trying to especially not indoctrinate, but even just try to like sway people toward one just, you know, opinion or another. Right. Where we like to talk about concepts to unpack them because I, I think that's how we come through that discourse. That's how we learn and come to our own conclusions by bouncing stuff off each other. And hopefully the listeners can hear us bouncing stuff off each other's, you know, ideas and asking mm-hmm. each other questions and then expounding and they themselves can expound. And hopefully if they have anything that they would like to add to that, to get a hold of us and Heck make yeah, sure yeah. that, because I'm, I'm always looking for guidance. I know you are too, mm-hmm. uh, from anybody who has more information than me, because I, I just talk, I just, I have my own life experiences and I base my ideas and, and opinions from those experiences. Like we all do. I think on the, on the point though, of, of having to learn by asking questions, I think it just comes like anything else, and you can do this with race too, you know. Um, you can't just walk up to someone who's of a different race, African-American, Hispanic, Asian-American. Most of the time, at least, you can't just walk up to them and say, hey, what's it like being African-American 
you know, or what's it like being Asian? Um, it's for one thing, it's just awkward. And another thing it's, it's, it does have the potential for them to feel ostracized for them to like, like you're looking at them as different, Mm -hmm. not normal. Right. I think that's just a knee jerk reaction, but I think it's valid. I think it's legitimate. I think you have to build a relationship with people Mm -hmm. before you start asking questions. You know, when you and I first met, you know, a a lot of the stuff that we talk about now, we never would have brought up to each other because we didn't, we didn't know each other well enough to know how the other guy would take it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's with anybody, you know, and I think that in that way, the normalization of, of a lot of like gender identities and sexual orientations and, and race relations, all that, I think we just got to some, to some degree take it slow and let the normalization take effect because I, I do think overall society is seeing things a little differently than definitely than what we used to 30 years ago and, right. and even more so 50 years ago. Just a, just a little tougher because it's not just about just letting people be happy. There's so many other moving parts to it. Yeah that everybody else needs to, I don't want to say get on board with, but, you know, to, to make other people feel comfortable, you know, we have to kind of help in that too for it to become a normal thing. Yeah. So I, I just, there's a lot of moving parts that everybody's learning and some people absolutely won't and don't care to. Yeah. This is the way I've lived my life up until now. I'm not going to change it just for these people. I get it. Right. I, 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 I get it that that's how they feel. Yeah, no. You know, uh, but, you know, I yeah. as I said before, my overall goal is whatever makes you happy, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, you do you. Yeah. So. The moving parts, you're exactly right, because there, I mean, there are mil- militant people who push agendas, and I have trouble with those people in any faction. I don't care what it is, race, gender identity, uh, vaccines, you name it. I just, I, I get tired of the militant a-holes who think they have to force ideas on people. Mm-hmm. I get that there are going to be people who make them, I guess, feel like they have to do that because just like what you were talking about, these people who aren't going to change their ways because it's the way they live their life. Oh. They don't plan on changing it for you or anybody else. Being militant is not going to change their minds, man. Right. And, and the only thing it does is, and this happens a lot in politics too, is why there's such division between left and right is because the right pushes so far right and the left pushes so far left. And it makes centrists feel like they've got no place to go. You right. know, there's, there's a lot of fence sitting in politics and it's because I don't, I'm not going to join either team. Like I said earlier, I'm just not going to do it, you know? And, and so it just makes it all look like a debacle, like a circus to mm-hmm. me. And that's the way a lot of these militant people to me. And right now it's the vaccine people pushing, you know, um, the, the, the militant people who think that if you're not getting the vaccine that you're killing their, their grandma or their immunocompromised child, I, I try to understand their, their point. I get it, but you're going about it the wrong way because if there's anybody sitting the fence and they hear you talk, well, they're going to be like, screw you, yeah. you know, now you've distracted from the real goal, from the real, uh, circumstance, mm-hmm. the issue at hand. And you've made it something personal mm-hmm. and it does the exact opposite of what you want. You know, find out where there's fertile ground to plant seeds, plant those seeds and let, you know, have some faith in society, especially right now with the momentum that we've got toward kind of modernizing and, and normalizing toward people in general. Try to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Try to quit running your mouth less when it comes <laughs> to being militant and try to force other ideas on, on people because, all you're doing is polarizing and, and creating more separation. It, it's all you're doing, you yep. know. But anyway, to, to finish off this conversation, 
I was happy, though, to see that there was mixed gender uh, events in the Olympics, man. Absolutely. I, that makes me happy. I like that. I, and I've been thinking that for a long time. It's like, why can't we have, like, I liked for personally playing co-ed softball. I had fun doing it because I grew up playing, you know, men's league, church league, mm-hmm. softball, uh, both of those. But then I more recently I started playing co-ed, and I haven't played in a couple of years now. But... I like it. I have fun. It, it adds. It's not just fun because you're getting out there and you're just kind of you know goofing off because it's not so serious. I still take it seriously, but it's a different element to it. You know, there's different. Uh, just it's, it's kind of a different environment about it. Mm-hmm. I like co-ed sports. Why not have more co-ed baseball and basketball and things like that? Quit trying to push, you know, men or women into the other one's sports that they have and just start getting together and playing. That way, you know what you're getting into. You know that you're competing men versus women, right? And you mm-hmm. can regulate regulate those as needed. If you need so many men, so many women, whatever, even things out, that's fine. But mixed gender, though, that's that's pretty interesting because in my mind, you've got men, you got women, and you got trans men, you got trans women, and you may even have some I don't know anybody else, any mm-hmm. of the other gender identities. But it's all inclusive. But you know, like you're competing in an all inclusive sport, right? I like that. I think that's a great, great I, I, I like compromise the, and thing to come to. I like the idea, and I like what you're saying, mixing everybody together. The only opposition I have to that is the same opposition that Joe Rogan has, and I think MMA is another animal. I don't think trans people in MMA is a good idea. I, it, as he says, you know, you live you know, 20, 20, 25 years of your life with testosterone and you just, you know, just muscles are bigger. Like just the way a a man is built compared to a woman is just different. Mm -hmm. And then you transition a man over to a woman and then put them in women's MMA. That is just a sport that is too violent for me to, to agree with. And it's, this has happened. I mean, a woman got her head bashed in in an MMA fight because of the situation, a man who transitioned to a woman fought in MMA and just obliterated. Was that woman. UFC? I don't think so. Okay, I, I did, don't remember I, who it. I think it was a different league. Like I didn't a, think it was UFC. No, I think but, I think it was a, a, a lesser well-known league, but okay. I can't remember what her name was. Uh, I just talked about her not too long ago. But anyways, um, yeah, I just I think that's the only the only thing different that I that I see. UFC, boxing, anything like, or MMA, I should say, MMA or boxing, Mm -hmm. any kind of combat sport. Yeah. I tend to agree with you on in that because, but at the, at the end of the day, if both parties agree though, what do you do? You know, if if this woman born a woman chooses to fight against uh, a a woman born a man, then they, they cut in at the same weight you know, they, they weigh in together. Um, everything's, you know, pretty much relatively even. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it stokes my curiosity a bit. My problem comes into where at any time, and I know it's it's a common thing with me if you know me at all, I don't like anything being forced. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a forced thing, if, if the woman, if the women of the sport don't want a trans woman competing with them, I have a problem with that. You know, and something like UFC or boxing or, or any MMA combat sport. Um, that's I don't like the problem, the, 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 the notion of being forced into something like that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like the notion of like 
a woman being forced into the MLB and, and the players or the organizations don't have a choice mm-hmm. because of equal rights or something like that. I just don't like that idea. Like if everybody's agreed to it, okay, why not? Right. You know, but if, but if, if it's something where you got to force it to happen, I don't know, I got a problem with, but I do understand the concern there. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is in essence, and this is where people have a problem is that guys are tougher than girls. <laughs> in essence, in layman's terms, that's what we're talking about. Guys are tougher than girls. Once again, remember the premise here is that this isn't you and me talking about you and me. This is you and me talking about a guy or, or a woman who has trained in the MMA for years and years and years. They fight. This is what they do. They're tough and they're strong and they're fast and they're bad. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about that woman versus that man, whether that man transitioned to a woman or, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wouldn't, you know, on that note, though, we're talking about gender mixing. So why not have a man versus a woman if they if they weigh in at the same weight? Why do they have to be trans? You know, if we're going to mix genders and we really want to do this, and I'm not saying it's a good idea. I don't want to see women get their heads bashed in. But, I, you know, who knows? Maybe she might get a shot on the guy. All it takes is one good shot. You know, and if she's bad. Um, because I'm, I'm confident that some of those MMA fighters, if not most of them could take me down pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm not a fighter, yeah. right? I don't train, Yeah. but for someone who trains equally and it's a man, that's where the real test comes in. Right. So what we're saying is that guy is, is going to be tougher than that woman. But I also take that back to something that you always talk about. You always talk about going to the beginning of time, you know, men are supposed to be stronger than women. That that's men are supposed to be tougher than women. That that's because of their roles in life. Mm-hmm. They're they're you know, I understand that we're all about equality now and those kinds of things. I get it. Some things I just don't think there should be equality in. I mean, equality as far as being able to get the same uh, um, options, getting the same you know, being equal across the board in the sport itself. Yeah, but not against each other in a combat sport that just does, that just does, there's that I, I understand it's still a gray area. I just don't, I don't, I don't like it. And I think that if, if they were to say tomorrow, okay, the UFC is just UFC. Now it's not women's divisions. It's not men's divisions. If you're in the 125 class, now you're with the men too. Yeah. It would take one pay-per-view to say this ain't, this can't happen anymore. <laughs> I I mean, you know, and and you also I don't think you would have any men that would ever want to fight a a woman. That's another important concept there, the way that we've been raised and culturated to not hit women. Yes. That's that's it's a good point, but they would have to I mean, it's only going to take that woman coming out of there taking a couple of shots before that guy better change his mind cuz she ain't no joke. Yeah. You know, she's a woman, yeah, but she she catches you on the chin. You better be careful, and yeah. and if nothing else, she's going to piss you off enough to where you're just going to instinctively have to fight back. Yeah, but no, I, and I don't disagree with you. Obviously, I, I, I am posing viewpoints, and I don't necessarily agree, completely agree either. You know, I, it, it's a very gray area. It, it's and there's a, there's a part of me there is. I'm I'm going to be honest. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Let yeah. me let me preface by saying that. But I do want to know what the truth is out of all this. I do, and I, I would be curious to see how this would pan out. Yeah, you know, and I could get into some really evolutionary, uh, evolutionarily heavy topics too, when it comes to the differences between men and women. Like this is an evolutionary process, and not even um, 
not even in the, the super long term, right? Just throughout the thousands of years of humanity, there were roles for women, there were roles for men. Those those differ, differentiate between cultures to some degree. Like there are some cultures where the woman is the head of the household, things like that. I'm not saying anything like that. But women are always the one who had the babies, always, right? Their bodies are formed in order to be able to produce babies, to produce life, and then for the life to come out of them, like like with the structure of their hips and, and all of that involved. Um, and guys were the guy. Guys were the ones who would go out and they would hunt the food. They would and they would um, a lot of times they would uh, grow the food, harvest the food, things like that. That was their position in life. So they were hard workers, right? So their 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 skeletal structure and their muscular structure was, it's at least over time. I don't know if we could be talking like more like hundreds of thousands of years. I don't know what, what we're dealing with here, but that's just the way that we were formed. Now, if since we don't need necessarily to procreate in the way we used to. And if women in as a whole decided that they weren't going to have babies anymore, science could take care of that. So over time, would their bodies evolve to not have the same muscular and skeletal structure that it does? Because women would stop having babies, therefore reproduction would be done in a different way, and we could produce women to not have the same kind of structure, Right. Um, so it, it's an evolu- evolutionary process, but we're taking ourselves out I mean, of you it. S- you still need the woman to do it, though, right? Well, how, to incubate how, the baby? Uh, uh, as far as I know, a baby could be, I don't think it's done because of ethical purposes at this point, but as far as I know, science could, could make a baby. I've never seen this. Well. I mean, I, I mean I've seen, you know, the, the mixture of, you know, different guys and different women, but I've always thought that you at least had to have a woman to carry. I don't think so. No, I'm, I might be Whoa. once again watching too many movies, but I'll, I'll double check and and on the next episode, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll shout oh. it out. Okay. But I'm I'm pretty sure that science could do this if they want to. Wow. I mean, science can grow. They can they can grow a liver in a petri dish yeah. now. You know, um, they can grow organs. They they can yeah. do a lot of things. And there's things we don't even know about yet. Well, there's of things course. coming out that, that are leaked that we're like, whoa. I'm I'm almost positive that we could grow a baby. Huh. Without having a woman. I'll correct myself if I'm wrong once again. But even if, let's just say we, we go strictly to um, cesarean section births, C-section births, and we no, we no longer use the birth canal as the exit for the baby. Over time, if that were the case, would women evolve and not into their hips? Right. You know, changing structure, right? And, and and maybe they, you know, take on some other tree. I don't know. I just know that through evolution, we, we could probably change at this point because we have the technology to do it is, is my basic point. Well, I mean, I, I mean, other things, not just like hip structures, but just like processes that women's bodies go through in life just because of that. Like, you know, I guess, um, you know, w- women like wouldn't, produce milk anymore and, and, and things like that too over over time and evolution i guess right mm. like anything that anything that a woman's body would normally do i would have to imagine that if they're if women's bodies aren't doing that job anymore that over you know hundreds of thousands of years or whatever it takes women's bodies just going to realize that well we don't need to do these things anymore because we don't do this anymore mm. according to evolution so, i would say that's correct yeah that'd be insane no more menstruating, no more producing of milk. True, yeah. Menstruating is just practicing for a baby, right? Yeah. It's just that the body, you know, 
um, making itself ready for, for that kind of process to take place. Right. Um, lactation, same thing. Uh, a lot of those things would, the chemistry would overall change over the course of, you know, many, many years, right? It's not going to happen overnight. But, but I wonder what it, I mean, we'll have to do some research, but I wonder what it takes to make a baby without a woman actually carrying. You're still, you're still going to need an egg and sperm. I, I understand that, but how, my question is, if a woman's not carrying now, how does that change? Like, what does their body stop producing and stop doing to where could we even, if over time women's bodies aren't doing the things that they always have, can we even, can they even you know, produce an egg to use to create a baby. That's a good point. We, you know may, what I'm we may have to artificially create those eggs. So we're basically, yeah. Jesus. And you know what would really suck though, is if over time we, uh, through the process of evolution, we made, uh, all those processes of women obsolete and they stopped. And then we lost our technology. We would die out as a human race. True. Because, but, guy, but guys stuff probably wouldn't change, right? Because, they're unless unless they just stop having sex yeah i don't know it's a great question yeah i don't know we're getting some stuff here that we have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> well i'm glad we compacted all this into seven minutes yeah. we had seven minutes right <laughs> yeah <laughs> more questions than answers folks Absolutely. but we'll uh we'll hit it up on our next episode of cqp yeah yeah all right Brandon. <laughs>